Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 281 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Dexcom, Omnipod, and Dancing for Diabetes. Please go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, or dancing, the number four, diabetes.com to find out more. There are also links in your show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com. Today, Alexi Melvin is on the show, and there's a lot about Alexi to know. First and foremost, she's on the show today because she just ran in the New York City Marathon with type 1 diabetes. But she's also got, like, so many things about her that are interesting, and I love her spirit and her soul, and I just thought of her right away when I saw the marathon being run. I thought, I want to have somebody on who ran the marathon with type 1, and Alexi leapt to mind. This is going to be wonderful. The one thing I need to tell you about is I had like a major malfunction of my computer network. So around 18 minutes in, there'll be like a break in the conversation. We'll pick it back up again. But my voice is going to sound a little different after that. And it's just, it, I mean, I'll tell you if you want. There's, it only recorded my voice in mono. So I had to take two mono tracks and meld them together to make a stereo track. So basically... You were only going to hear my voice out of your left earphone, but I fixed it so it'll also come out of the right, but gave up a tiny bit of sound quality to make that happen. Anyway, I apologize. I don't know what happened. Maybe it's time for a new computer. I don't have enough money to buy a new computer, but maybe it's time anyway. Anyway, a couple things. Nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes. Oh, I tried to beat the music. Nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Alexi is going to unpack her life in the first bit of the podcast, and then we'll get to the marathon at the end. But there's a lot of interesting stuff about her. She's really, really a great person. I, I enjoy knowing her. I am Alexi Melvin. I am a writer voice actress, uh, many, many other things, many forms of art. Um, I wear many hats, and uh, I am also uh, living with type 1 diabetes. When were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed when I was 14, so that would have been uh, 2003. Wow, 2003 plus 14. Yeah. So then I know your age now if I wanted to. Uh, well, hey, I'm 30. I'm almost 31. I'm, you know, I still feel like I'm... 14 ish. So. I was going to say, if it makes you feel good, you look like you're 15. So I do hear that often. Mm -hmm. And it, it's so weird because when I was like, you know, 17, 16, I looked a lot older and now I'm like Benjamin buttoning. I don't know what's happening. Ooh, maybe you'll be one of those people who's like perpetually like 29 years old in their face. That would be nice. Oh, that'd be great. I would take that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Absolutely. I'll take it. Um, let's see. Any other diabetes in your family? No. Nothing. Just uh, the great surprise. Uh, brothers, sisters, yeah. anything like that? I am an only child. Very nice. So you were just like a one in a million shot. And <laughs> how did you, how involved, or I know it's been a long time now, but how involved or not involved were your parents during the first years? Um, I've always felt really supported, uh, but pretty much right from the get-go, my mom thought it would be best for me to do everything myself. She would help. I remember we had those little 
old school, like, you know, nutrition books where we would figure out the carbs because, you know, Googling it was not really a thing back then yet. Um, and she would always help me with stuff like that, but, uh, she never gave me a shot or anything. I, I started doing that myself right, right off the bat. Um, but emotionally, you know, I've always felt very, very supported. So Um, can I tell you as a person who's never met you in person, but we have talked a little bit in the past, you seem on like, you know, your front facing social media being, you seem mm-hmm. very confident and not in a bad way, not in a like, that girl seems full of herself way. Not like that. Like in a way right. where you're like, this is me and I like me and that's it. Like you have a real like air about you that you were raised well or that you have like mature, healthy self-confidence. I, do you feel like that or are you just taking great selfies? Like, which is it? No, that's awesome to hear. Um, I was, I mean, if you ask anybody who went to school with me from, you know, middle school, high school, even probably college, they would say that I was very, um, (sighs) mysterious would probably be the wrong word. Kind of, I mean, awkward. I was pretty socially awkward. Um, and I didn't really talk to many people. Um, you know, I just kind of like did my work and, and put my head down, but uh, once I got involved with the type one community, it did kind of build my confidence a lot. Um, you know, it's, I've lived with this thing for, for many years, as, as I've said, and you know, it's, it's great to see all these other people, um, just putting it out there. And, and, you know, it's something that I like connecting to other people about. It's, it's something that, you know, it's not going away right now at least. And it's, you know, it's something that's going to be, um, it's going to be around, unfortunately, probably for another, another few years at least. But, um, it's just, it's just nice. I don't know. It's just, it does really build my confidence and, you know, social media has its flaws, but, um, but, but in this case, it's, it's very cool. I've made a lot of friends. I've been able to, um, get involved with a lot of really cool things, uh, for the community. And I really, I think that's what you're talking about. Honestly, I think like type one has really, um, it was the source of my, my confidence. And, and that was sort of later in, in life, I would say. When you found the connection with people, do you think the connection, the knowing they were there, that part of it, the community part was what hit you well? Or do you think, and maybe it's both, do you think it was watching other people be kind of open about it that made you feel like I could do that too? Um, it was, it was watching people be open about it. Um, it it was also just the sense of feeling heard, you know, like Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I had, I had two very, um, very successful, talkative, friendly, awesome parents that sort of always, um, you know, were in the spotlight and I kind of was never in the spotlight. And now I have this thing that people, um, can connect to. And it kind of, it makes me feel like I have something to say. Um, and that's, that's a good feeling because I definitely used to not feel that way. Do you, so you have, so by, by the way, I'm going to have to like buckle down here. You're going to give good answers this whole hour. And then I'm going to, I'm going to look up for something else and be like, Oh God, what did she say? And then try to fill something. And so like, and now I'm like picking something on my desk to stare at while we're talking. Um, so a couple of things you felt behind the scenes, like, did you feel unseen as a child? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. The short answer is yes. So I know what your dad does for a living and we'll share it with people in a second, but you said your mom and your dad, what did your mom do? 
My mom, um, she was a model for a long time and she's been in the fashion industry. Um, she's really just a great mom, but, uh, she kind of stopped working when I was, when I was born pretty much, but, um, she's just always the life of the party. Um, people adore her. Uh, she always had this natural ability to be social and win people over. And I was kind of just, you know, hiding behind her. Okay. Okay. Um, I get that. I do. And, and I think that, I think that you can have, like, I think everybody at first feels like that, right? Like that idea of like, I'm sort of just here. I'm the short person behind these taller people and they get to talk and I, I wait for my opening. But then I mm -hmm. think about my mom, like my mom was not like, like commanding space. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't walking in and people weren't like, oh my God, Bev's here. Let's all listen to what she has to say now. <laughs> like, you know, like mm -hmm. it, she wasn't that person. I can imagine that happening because I see it sometimes. I'm just talkative. And sometimes I have to stop myself when my kids and I are all in a setting together because I'm like, oh, I'm sucking the air out of this moment. Do, do, right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like nobody sees anybody else because I'm talking. Um, right. But you can't, but I can stop talking. Your mom can't stop being hot, I guess, for the lack of a better term. <laughs> and, and so, the, and people get, right. and people get attracted to that too. Like right. I, you know, I do. I, I'm like, oh, look, that person's handsome. And you're like, I wonder what they have to say. We do it all the time. Mm -hmm. We think British mm -hmm. people are smart and we think handsome people know something. <laughs> like it's just, it's how, it's how you're wired, you know? Now, yeah. how much time did you spend around your dad's business? Uh, I've never been, I, I'm not, I, I always say I'm not a baseball fan, but I'm supportive. So, you know, I'll go to games here and there. I wouldn't say I go to a lot. Um, when I was little, you know, I probably thought it was a little more fun, but, uh, you know, definitely important games, playoff games, events, I'll definitely be there for. Um, but I always loved sort of being around it cause I loved traveling. So, yeah. you know, whatever city he was in during the summer, we would always be there. Um, we always had a home base in Arizona, but, um, yeah, I loved it. It was fun. Yeah. It, it, it allowed me to sort of discover my, um, you know, really my passions like traveling and then, you know, whatever city we would be in, my mom would take me to some kind of, you know, arts and culture thing. And I would, you know, that's where I discovered that I loved Broadway musicals and, you know, it's, so it really afforded me a lot. Yeah. I, I guess if you were just in Arizona, you might discover you love cactuses and, you know, things like that. Um, so it's good. <laughs> sure, yeah. That would have been a very different path. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's really something like, um, you know, I hear people say it all the time and someone just said it to me recently, like people who think that traveling with your children is a waste of time. It's really not. It's doing things for them that you probably are not getting paid back for in the moment per se, but yeah, yeah it, it's building them in great ways. And right. so, so I guess, you know, so you don't wake up in the morning for people who don't have a connection like this. You don't wake up in the morning and think my dad coaches the Oakland A's. Uh, no, I can't, I can't remember. I can't remember the last time that was my first thought in the morning. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> exactly. But it's true. Yeah. Like it's, I, I used to joke with people. Um, I met somebody very famous one day and we walked away and I said, you know, in the morning when that guy is giving his kids like breakfast and he's too slow, they don't think, oh my God, there's an all-star shortstop feeding me breakfast. They think, <laughs> Right. <laughs> they think, why is dad screwing this up? You, you, you know, and, um, but that doesn't change the impact around him. So was he, right. so when he, he, so he traveled a lot, you were probably with your mom more than him. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. I was tied at the hip with my mom pretty much until, uh, graduated high school. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. Um, all right. So at what age do you say to yourself, like, I'm going to get more involved in the diabetes space and how did that begin? Um, you know, I, I was involved pretty much right away. Um, there were just less opportunities. You know, I, um, I remember seeing flyers for JDRF walks and stuff like that pretty, pretty early on. So I would do things like that. Uh, my mom and I would volunteer at things, um, which felt great, but there was still not so much that sense of, you know, connecting that there is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was pretty much, it was JDRF, you know, for a it, while. The first and then yeah. that, that was the first thing. Um, and I even, uh, at a certain point kind of did some like volunteer recruitment stuff. Um, and it felt good. I liked it. Um, and then at a certain point, um, beyond type one popped up and they were kind of doing more of the rock and roll thing. Like, you know, like how does, um, how does type one impact your sex life? And they would be posting stuff like that. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is is interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I wound up just kind of reaching out to them and, um, uh, freelance writing for them. Nice. And yeah. And so from there I got involved with more things they were doing, um, leadership council, stuff like that. Um, eventually they sort of just, (laughs) Uh, I just kind of wore them down and they, you know, hired me as a, uh, staff writer and, um, Alexi's always the, here. So why don't we just uh, let her do something? That is exactly, yeah, that's exactly their inner monologue. It's a viable way to uh, get a job, by the way. If you can, if you can get your first foot in the door, just be like, I'm not yeah. leaving. So I'm not leaving. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. And I'm the, uh, content committee chairperson, which is also cool. Um, so yeah, I'm contributing. And that was, um, yeah, I guess it was really when, when beyond type one kind of rolled around that I was like, Oh, okay. This kind is, of full this steam. is, this is a thing. Yeah. Is it still, is that, is beyond type one a living or is it just a piece of how you support yourself? I would say it's the most consistent piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I get pretty steady work from them. It's not, you know, it's not a ton, but, mm. um, it's reliable, you know? Um, and then otherwise I do, you know, the voice acting stuff and other freelance writing and, um, yeah. Well, I remember when you and I were talking more in the past, it was right around the time where your voice was going to be in a star Wars movie. And I was like, that's really cool. Um, yeah, that is, (laughs) which movie were you in? I was in rogue one and I was in last Jedi. And are you allowed to say if you're going to be in the next one? I'm not allowed to say if you're um, no, that go ahead. Say, I want to hear how you yeah. talk around it. <laughs> uh, I will say that there, um, in within the star Wars franchise, I might have some things to announce soon. That's so cool. And yeah, I will tell you about it. And this really feeds into your passion too, because you're like a serious, like Disney head. Like I've probably texted you three times in my life and you've been at Disney in one way yeah. or the other. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I, I've been an, a Disney enthusiast since I can remember. And you know, the dream for me <laughs> was always to be in a Disney movie. And now I, I am, I've mm-hmm. been in two of them, but I never in a million years thought it would be star Wars because <laughs> you know, like it, it wasn't like it, it wasn't, it just, you know, fairly recently it became a, you know, officially Disney. Right. Um, it was so, it's just such a weird way that that actually wound up happening. But Really cool. I honestly think it's strange that you and I are recording this on the morning that the Disney Plus platform 
I know. Announces, I just thought, like, well, of course that's what happened. Uh, but Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, I subconsciously arranged it that way. You might have been like, let me pick a day in November. What's the best day in November? It's What's the best prob- day? It's probably this day. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you travel? When you go to Disney, like, are you with friends? Do you go by yourself? Do you? you know, I don't even know. Like, are you... You're not married. Mm-hmm. Do you date? Like, what do you, who's with you usually yeah. when you're doing that stuff? Um, yeah, gosh, it varies. I mean, everybody who is close to me knows that Disney is a thing for mm-hmm. me and most of them support it. Um, I think some of them get tired of it more than others, <laughs> a little more than others, but, um, my mom loves it. She comes with me a lot. Um, you know, I have maybe like three, really close friends that are all into it. So they'll either, you know, meet me there. It's a, it's a good meeting place. You know, like I have one friend that lives in New York who will meet me in Orlando to go to Disney world. Or, you know, I have, um, I have several friends that live in, uh, I'm in Northern California. Mm -hmm. So I have several friends that are in Southern California and we'll meet there. So it's just, you know, I have options for sure. So which is the better park? Oh gosh. It's funny because the the first park I went to was Disney World because we, uh, when I was two, we were living in Memphis, Tennessee. So mm-hmm. that was way easier to, to get to. So like my earliest memories of the parks was, you know, Disney World and the Epcot Ball and, um, you know, stuff like that. But, but I do, you know, Disneyland is the original and, you know, it has a little more history in that way. And I feel like it doesn't change quite as much. Um, and it's home, so, right? So it's right. So I mean, if I had to pick one park, I'd have to stay with the original. I gotcha. Um, yeah, but but there's a lot to be appreciated about both. So I bring it up because I want to understand. There's something I see online all the time that's sort of like fascinating to me. Actually, this the topic doesn't matter. The intent of the question is the same, right? Do you ever hear people say, um, "I you know I've got diabetes figured out, but how do you do soccer?" Or how do you do swimming? Or how do you do Disney? Disney's a big one. Like, I don't know. I'm about to go to Disney for the first time. What do I do when I get on an airplane? I always think, like, I don't really think those things are different. But, okay. Like, somebody does. Like, somebody's having that feeling. Like, I'm about to go somewhere different. Is diabetes going to change? Does your management from the day, the way you're in your home or when you're exercising or getting ready for a, you know, for the, the New York Marathon, is it any different than how you handle going to Disney for the day? Oh gosh! Like, do you do things? Um, or like, there special plans in place? Do you have contingencies going, or is it just you leave the house with your stuff? I feel like you know, the the more active I'm going to be, I guess the more prepared I try to be. Um, you know, and I'll I I'm a, I'm still a little bit old school, so I am on long acting and and fast acting uh, insulin pens. So mm-hmm. I'll try to cut down on my long acting if I know I'm going to be walking all day. You know, um, just little things like that. But yeah. otherwise, no, it seems pretty pretty routine. Similar, right? Yeah, I, I don't see yeah. the difference. I always just think of it as the need your body is going to have for the insulin. It'll have less need if you're active. It'll have more need if you're not. And if it's hot out, you might need a little less. Like it's just, it's okay. That's about where my computer blew up. And it's a good time to tell you about Omnipod, the world's only tubeless insulin pump. It's very simple. If you're thinking of leaving shots or you want to change pumps, Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box because Omnipod's going to offer you a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod. All you do is fill out the tiniest bit of information about yourself and Omnipod will send a demo pod right to your home. 
There you can try it on and see what you think. You can shower with it, exercise, run around the house, rough house with your kids. You know, if you're going to put it on one of your kids, maybe you take them and like slide them across the, you know, the floor a little bit. They don't hurt them, but I mean like a smooth floor, like wood, you know, like a monoleum kind of a situation. You put like a sweatshirt on, you can just slide them right across the floor. It's completely safe as long as they don't hit the wall on the other end. Uh, anyway, you, you, know, you live your life with, uh, with the pod on and you can see what you think. Then if you like it, you contact Omnipod and you say, look, I want to keep going with this. I, I love this thing. Let's give it a whirl. My daughter's been using the Omnipod since she was four years old. Arden is 15 right now. She has been wearing an Omnipod every day for all of that time, having amazing success with her blood sugars. And I think you might like it as well. Check them out. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox or the links in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com. Live your life untethered with Omnipod, right? Not connected to any tubes, not having to carry an insulin pen around, that kind of stuff. Oh, also one last thing. Nothing I said about sliding your kid across the floor is endorsed by Omnipod or me, to be honest with you. I really don't think it's a good idea. It's just something I used to do with my son, and I thought I'd say it here, but then after I said it, I realized, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I have an old cell phone video of him sliding across the floor. If I can find it, I'll put it online. But I digress, and I jump right into the Dexcom ad. Dexcom G6, the continuous glucose monitor from the gods that's passed right down from the stars to you Here's what you get when you wear a Dexcom G6. Continuous look at what your blood sugar is. Not just the number, but the speed and direction that it is moving. Invaluable information to have when you're making decisions about using insulin or eating food. The difference between a blood sugar that's 80 and 80 and falling is huge. You're not touching an 80 that's nice and stable. You're looking at that thinking, woohoo, I won. But if it's falling, you might want a couple carbs. Dexcom can make that an easier decision for you, a much easier decision. Not only that, they can help you make that decision wherever you are in the world. And by that, I mean if you're the parent or guardian of a loved one, even a friend of someone with type 1 diabetes, with an Apple or Android phone, right? With any compatible Apple or Android phone, you can see someone else's blood sugar no matter where they are. And that is just a comfort that is hard to put into words. So between the speed and the direction, not having to finger stick to find out what your blood sugar is, and being able to see a loved one's blood sugar no matter where in the world they are, I don't know how you argue with Dexcom. You got to have it, I think. Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Get it at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box today. It is an absolutely, I said it before, indispensable part of your life with type 1 diabetes. Last thing, going to put all the ads here today, Dancing for Diabetes. Check them out, dancingfordiabetes.com. That's dancing, the number four, diabetes.com. They're also on Instagram and Facebook. Please give them a follow. They are a wonderful organization doing incredible things for people living with type 1 diabetes. And now, as they used to say in the 50s, back to our show. Okay. Well, that was incredibly weird. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um... The interview was just too powerful. <laughs> I can't possibly be true, but I'm just getting warmed up. So, I um, so I, I, I was about to say that, um, 
God, what I was about to say, I'm trying to go back to where I was in my head. It's not easy. Why don't we just start over again? Oh, God. Not a, you're no, say, not you're saying about the parks. Yeah. The, the, yeah. I just, so I, I feel like that people like unnecessarily get scared about, you know, going somewhere. And, yeah. and that's, uh, I, I kind of find it sad a little bit. Like, I'm like, oh, God, you know, just, um, it's not that bad, you know? Yeah, I can understand from people who get really deep into routines because, you know, to a certain extent, you can't, like, you know how your body's going to respond to certain things during the day. You know what your blood sugar is going to kind of do with certain foods. Like, I, I understand that, but it's it's no fun. You know, you have to sort of get out there and, um, you know, you can still have something of a routine. You can still know, you can still find things that work, like, you know, dietary you know stuff around the park it's not that hard right. like you can you can you can do it also you said that you're you called yourself old school uh-huh. so um pens and and long acting is still in, but you have do you use dexcom yes oh, okay i'm not a cave person yes i use <laughs> i use dexcom so that's interesting so tell me about your decision to stay with mdi for all these years like it's obviously working for you so um mm-hmm. wh- why do you like it I guess that's, you just said it. I mean, it works for me. Um, I, it's not for lack of, you know, appreciation for what, how technology has progressed over the years. I think it's amazing. I mean, I have several friends that are now looping and and stuff like that. And it's, it's fascinating. Um, I, I, I'm somebody who tends to wait, you know, a year, two years until something's really more perfected. Um, that's just kind of how I roll, but it's, um, you know, I've tried pumps and I can see the benefits. Um, I, I kind of got paranoid. I think about, um, you know, with, with long acting insulin, you always have something working in you. And, you know, I, I had way too many instances where, you know, the, um, I had a problem with my sight and I was just getting no, no insulin at all. Yeah. So my blood sugar would just be crazy high, probably more than it was in range. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I I would, I would try it again. Um, I'm kind of waiting for automation. Is that, do you think your next jumping in point, like some sort of like a closed loop system or something like that? Yeah. If, if it was perfected, um, and people were, you know, having great experiences with it, then yeah, I feel like I I would try that out. That's cool. I mean, I think you have to do whatever you're comfortable with and, um, you know, absolutely. What's it like traveling with pens? Like, do you have to keep them cool and how do you handle all that? Uh, I mean, the pens you're currently using, you can just have them out in your purse, but you know, I definitely travel with a couple extras. Um, you know, uh, Rio cooling wallet things, those little, like that's usually fine for shorter flights. Um, you know, longer trips, I try to, you know, bring an ice pack or something. And I, I've never had an issue The well, the one, the one tricky thing is if hotel fridge, uh, if hotel fridges are too cold, they can definitely freeze insulin. So that's, that's something to look out for. Yeah. Uh, There's a person that's listening to the show that's just happened to them. Uh, they were in New York and they were on social media. Like I'm in New York and all my, all my insulin got, you know, frozen in the, mm-hmm. in the hotel. They're like, yeah, it was, it was very cool. Somebody brought them insulin, you're like a complete stranger. So yeah, I've heard of, Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's another cool thing about the community. Yeah. That's just, that's just an amazing, like, you know, there's, 
if you got on Facebook right now and you're like, I need an Advil, <laughs> no one would bring yeah. no one would bring you up. But if you're like, I need insulin, people are like, all right, well, I'll drive the first 50 miles and then somebody else can pick it up and move it along. And it's it's very cool how people jump into action. I, it's oh, absolutely. Amazing, actually. All right. So let us not let us not, you know, bury the lead anymore or less. I asked you to come on, Alexi, because you did something that in my mind is insane. And I want to understand why you did it. And mm-hmm. I want to know about how it went and how you prepared for it. So yeah. tell me about the day you thought to yourself, I'm going to run in the New York Marathon. Yeah. Well, Beyond Type 1 has had a team for the New York City Marathon the past two years before now. So this was the third year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've done crazy stuff like this. They did, you know, like Bike Beyond. They, you know, they biked across the friggin' country, you know, and... I've always just been like, wow, more, more power to those people. Um, but you know, at a certain point, um, I, it kind of became clear to me that like, I wasn't really giving myself a shot in terms of athleticism, um, ever since I was diagnosed. Um, not that it was ever really that interesting to me, but I sort of realized that I, I I hadn't ever considered it. Um, you know, partly probably because my, my dad is the athlete in the family. I'm like, okay, that's his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, you know, the third year beyond type one, you know, putting together this team, they're starting to sort of release, um, you know, flyers calling for submissions and things like that. And I'm like, huh, that might actually be kind of interesting. You know, I, I've always been athletic. I do yoga. I, do, I sort of, I've been a power walker my whole life. I've never really like been a runner, but, um, you know, I get out there, I feel like I'm in good shape. And, um, the, but the thing that really sent it over the edge is that one of my best friends who also has type one, um, decided to do it. And once she said that, I was like, Oh, uh, okay. That might actually be a really cool experience to do this with somebody and, you know, sort of hold each other accountable for training and, you know, things like that. And, um, I think I also had this kind of misconception that the people that would be on this team would all be kind of like influencers, you know, like people that were kind of known in the type one world. And I don't feel like I'm that, you know, like I'm involved, but I feel like people would be like, I don't really care about her. Um, but I definitely, I definitely realized that was not the case, um, pretty soon after being accepted onto the team, but just a lot yeah, of regular really, people. A lot of regular people and a lot of really amazing athletes. I mean, there were people that were ultra marathoners and that had done Ironman, like Ironman races. And like, I had no idea. Um, so it was definitely, it was definitely uh, eye opening. But um, yeah, it was really my, it was my friend who, who kind of convinced me in a number of ways to do it. I have to tell you, I find that the idea of influencers to be like, it's a little weird. Like I I wouldn't want someone calling me that. And I don't think of people that way, but I think there are, there are some people who start out thinking I'm going to help and they get a little bit of notoriety and they're like, I wonder if there's like money I could make in this, or I wonder if I can push this further or help more. Like it, some people go the wrong way with it. And then they're just, they're just faces then they're like, Oh, I know that person. I see them and you know, all this stuff, but there are so many more people that you don't know who are Mm -hmm. actually involved in the events actually handing out, you know, food at a JDRF walk, like those people, they're, they, you know, there's a million more of them than there is of, you know, an Instagram model or something like that who happens to have diabetes. 
Totally agree. And I think that's really the power of the space, honestly. Um, Yeah. I think the influencers could go away and the people would still exist. I don't, I don't think they need, you know, I don't think they need a, uh, uh, a selfie deity to pray to. I think they can do it on their own. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I think probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's just very, it, I mean, I have nothing, like, don't get me wrong. I have nothing against people who are doing that. I think that's, it's fine. I, people do whatever they want. They can impact the space, you know, however yeah, they think is great. It's a way of being able to use your voice. Um, yeah. and that's fine, but yeah, Absolutely. it can, it, it can get messy. It also has a finite life. You don't, yeah. you don't realize that, but you know, you can talk about it any way you want. I think a running back has a life of two years in the NFL. Um, mm. do, do, do you know what I mean? Like your dad played. Yes. Your dad played professional baseball for a really long time. For a, yeah. and still, I think he was was in the league for maybe like nine years as a player, right? And you you would think that's not like a long time, but it is. It's a massively a long time. Most people don't do that. And yeah. you know, um, you even think about people who you think of as famous, like how quickly they're there and then they're gone. And you think, oh, no, they'll be back. That guy's like a great actor, but yeah, you never see him again. It's so yeah, exactly. The number of actors that have actual staying power are actually very few. Yeah, if you think about it. So. But but if you look at like life like that too, it's the same thing. You know, there mm-hmm. is somebody on Instagram right now. Just as an example, it could be anywhere—Facebook, Instagram, like something like that. Who you think of is like when you think of the diabetes community, you think of that person. Keep them mm-hmm. in mind, and eighteen months from now, you won't know who they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, so I like the people who are, it's the trench work, like, right? Like it's the hard stuff. It's the actually being in the marathon thing. <laughs> not the, yeah. not the, Hey guys, the marathon's coming up. Are you going to get involved? Cause uh, trust me, I'm not doing that. Um, yeah. I, I thought about you this morning and I thought if someone paid me to run to the end of my street, could I do it without stopping? <laughs> I was like, I'm not a hundred percent certain. So, right. but I'm sure I could one day. Were you a person who on day one thought like, I can run a marathon? You weren't, right? No. Uh, I, up until, even up until the day of the race, I was, I was never a hundred percent sure I could finish it. Um, cause I didn't know what to expect. I mean, yeah. I've never, I think during my training, I only got up to like 12 miles. Um, so I didn't know what was going to happen past 12 miles. I had no idea what my body was going to do. So how far um, is the marathon? It's 26.2 miles. Doesn't make any sense what you just said to me, but I appreciate that. How do you train for something like that? Like, like you just like, do you Google it or do you find somebody to help you or how did you, how did you handle it? There are definitely training plans. You can just kind of, you know, loose training plans that tell you how many miles to run each day, each week and how it kind of sort of gradually goes up. Um, I kind of followed one of those loosely. Um, but the other, um, the other runners on the team were very helpful and we all kind of had a Facebook group. Uh, we kind of followed each other on the Strava app, you know, so it was, you could always ask somebody for help or guidance on, yeah. in one way or another. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I didn't, I didn't follow any plan too strictly. I just kind of, my mom had actually run it in 2011. So mm-hmm. she had a lot of, she, I kind of followed the same plan that she did, which was just kind of a very basic if you Google, like, you know, training plan to run a marathon, it, it would just be that. You train, do you have to change your nutrition much? Did you have to? I, yes. Um, I have been somewhat of a low carb person um, for eh, 
you know, six, seven years now, I would mm-hmm. say, um, not to where I'm like on the keto level, but you know, relatively low carb. Right. Um, like you wouldn't punch I, me for eating a cupcake. You just, like, of course yeah. not. No, I, I, you know, I, I have fun, you know, every now and then and I'll, I'll have carbs, but, um, I just kind of got into the routine and it kind of, you know, it worked, whatever. But, uh, once I started training, I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Um, so I definitely had to do some, you know, experimenting and, and, um, find the carbs that I liked again. And the, you know, it was almost kind of like nostalgic cause I, I did love carbs before mm. I was diagnosed. And so I was like, okay, what did I used to love? Like, what did I, what made me feel good? What, what made me feel energized back when I was 13, 14, you know? Um, so yeah, it was kind of, it was frustrating at times for sure, but also kind of fun. Especially cause I guess if you try something, it's not right. You're just like, Oh, I wasted that. Like I ate this thing that now I wish I didn't eat. And yeah. yeah. What did you land on? Like what ended up being sort of the staple of uh, how you fueled your body for it? Um, I found out that, um, I kind of needed more carbs, um, for breakfast and, a little bit of a lighter lunch, oddly, than I usually would um, would eat before, mm-hmm. but um, slightly more carbs. And then dinner didn't really change, but um, kind of like, yeah, breakfast and lunch, I kind of needed a little bit more. Um, you know, I found like a brown rice cereal that I really like. That kind of helped. Um, uh, yeah. And How long was the process of, of training? I started training... I want to say around, well, actually I know exactly it was, it was April because that's when I got a stress fracture. <laughs> it's the first time your body <laughs> sent you an email and said, dear Alexi, uh, we haven't been that active most of your life. I don't know if you've noticed, please stop doing mm-hmm. this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I, I, I didn't even think I was going too hard, but you know, after it happened, I was like, okay, I, you know, I, I had always power walked, like I said, mm-hmm. which is more, it's, it's a different, you're using different muscles, yeah. you know, like you're exerting, you know, a, around the same amount of energy, but it's different muscles. So out of the gate, I was like, Oh, I'll just start running. Yeah. That was not, not good. <laughs> um, so I wound up getting a stress, fra- stress fracture in my heel when I did a 5k. And so f- I was four weeks in a walking boot. Um, so that, that was my first, like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to be able to actually do this. Um, but I'm fascinated the, after that happened and you got out of the walking boot, you're like, I'm going to try it again. Yeah. Why? I, I, I mean, I didn't put any pressure on myself, but I was like, okay, I'm going to start, you know, just start power walking it again and see, you know, make sure I don't re injure myself and kind of ease into it. Mm-hmm. And, Um, and if it goes well, great. If it doesn't, I'll, you know, I'll drop out and everybody will understand. But, um, yeah, I, you know, my, my power walk, uh, winds up being that of like uh, the pace of like a slow run. So I was like, okay, at the very least I can just do this. Um, yeah. So it wound up being fine. I didn't get (laughs) re-injured. Um, that was the important thing. So did your overall like physical health change while you were getting ready did you you find yourself stronger or in better shape like did you think wow this is great um or did we suggest about building up those muscles that you would need for the endurance um i did it did change a little bit because i had i had primarily done a lot of yoga and a little bit of walking Mm -hmm. um before and now i was you know obviously doing primarily running and walking um 
So I feel like my, my upper body muscles actually kind of went down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of had to pay extra attention to that too. Cause you do use it, you know, you, you draw from your upper body too when you're tired. So I had to do kind of like extra things to make sure I wasn't like ignoring that part of my body. But, um, apart from that, I, you know, I, I, it, you know, it, it fluctuated like at certain times I would feel like I was losing weight, um, that I would have to adjust sort of accordingly with my diet because that's not good. You need to sort of like be at a good weight to, to, um, maintain all that so it was it was never really <laughs> there were ups and downs yeah. but i think it's really interesting to talk to you a person who's not necessarily a, a runner or a distance runner that about doing the marathon because it's interesting while you're talking like to listen to you you're sort of like huh yeah that did happen this is yeah. what happened after that like you're you, it's like i prefer talking to you over somebody who's like i run this thing every year and let me tell you how to do it because it's just that's a job to them then like this is a thing that you just out of left field, no pun intended, I guess, did. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Like you just sort of, you were like, I'm going to try this other thing now. And mm-hmm. in, in the support of diabetes, like was that your main goal because you were at Beyond Type 1 or because people you knew were doing it? Like what was the, did you just want to see if you could? I think it was all of those things. Yeah. I, I definitely want, I've always wanted to inspire people to try different things and not let Type 1 scare you like kind of like what you're saying with like going traveling going to disney parks like you know and it's okay if i if i am not able to do this thing at least i tried now i know you know but it's obviously kind of on a bigger scale um and like i said before i i wanted to see if i was an athlete like what if i really did like doing marathons what if i wanted to really explore running that's you know let me let me give myself this shot um, I think about and, that all the time. I'm going to cut you off for a second. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like, what no. if I'm a great piano player and I don't know because I've never tried to play the piano? Like, exactly. You know, and, and I don't think I am. But I mean, that's my point. Like, what if, right? Like, can I play yeah. the guitar and I just have never tried? Like, that. I think you have to be, like, whimsical like that sometimes. Yes, exactly. Right. And I was almost a little bit mad at myself because I've always been so, you know, in the school of thought that you, you know, people with type one should not limit themselves. But I was like, I, I think I was kind of limiting myself mm-hmm. without even really thinking about it in school. Like I never, you know, did, I never tried to be on a sports team. I never, you know, I even got like a, you know, like a note to get out of PE altogether one year. Like, why did I do that? You know? Um, so <laughs> no kidding. you're like, yeah. I need a note that says something to the effect of, uh, Lexi has a problem with something you fill in the blanks. And she cannot be in gym this year. Did that work? Did you get out of gym? I did. <laughs> yep. Do you remember? Okay, it's a little bit of a sidebar, but do you remember why you wanted to to get out? Just because you didn't enjoy it? I think, honestly, I think my endocrinologist said like, "Oh, hey, if you want to get out of 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 gym, you can." I was like, <laughs> "Oh, okay. Well, why not then? Like, I can, you know, I can use that time for another class that I really care about, you know." Are there um, any other things that this diabetes will get me into or out of? Please let me know. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, oh, sounds good. Awesome. Good plan. <laughs> well, that's fascinating. Uh, and and shows a little bit um, of how far we've come. You know what I mean? That that somebody, I don't think someone, God, I hope somebody wouldn't say that to somebody at this point. Like, no, definitely yeah. not. Oh, my God. But look at you. You were like industrious. You're like, yeah, sure. 
I'll get out of gym. Yeah. I'll take yeah. that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Take what you can get. Oh, it's so great. Um, okay. So I, I'm fascinated by something you said earlier and I feel like it keeps popping up into my head. You'd only ever run about 12 miles in practice. The, the, you know, the race itself is over twice that distance. Mm-hmm. When you're standing at the, the starting line, what's going through your head? When I was at the starting line, I really just wanted to get running, to be honest with you, because the worst part of that whole thing was the start village where you had to go and wait for four hours before you could actually start. And it was freezing. Mm -hmm. So I I guess in a way that kind of helped because I was like, okay, just 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 friggin get this thing going. I have to get my body temperature up. I have to start running. Um, So I wasn't really thinking about it at the time. Uh, It was almost like anywhere is better than where we are right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that's actually like a strategy. That they, that they, I don't really know. Um, but it did. Yeah, it did help. Um, it, it reminded me of something that's just so sad. I can't even bring it up. But, you know, I, I just. All right. I'm going to just say it anyway. You know, okay. you, you know, when you're seeing it's such a sad thought, but, you know, every once in a while, like every 20 years, you'll see like a apartment fire. And it's so bad that people jump at the end. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. Like, I'm in a place that's so terrible mm-hmm. that something else that's terrible is preferable because at least I can buy myself a little bit of time before I, I imagine you in that like, like village. I know that's not an apples to apples thing, but it popped into my head, like going like I'm freezing. I don't know if I can do this race. I really feel like this is going to go poorly. Why don't I just start running? So I don't freeze to death. Like I have to that's, try something. You know that's what I mean? exactly it. Yeah. Exactly. That's interesting. Maybe they do that on purpose. Okay. So once you're moving and you're warmed up, is your expectation you're going to finish? I mean, does it have to be, I guess, in your mind when you, like, you wouldn't have shown up that day if you didn't think you could do it, right? Or no? Yeah. I, I mean, it was, I would say I was like 60% sure that I could, I could finish. Um, based on? Based on knowing my body and just being confident that I would sort of listen to it. And if, if, you know, something was wrong, I could stop and, you know, um, and really just the excitement too. I felt like I had a, a good amount of energy to carry me through. Um, gotcha. I've been pretty excited in my thing. life, Alexia. I don't think it would make me run 26 miles, but yeah, I, <laughs> I was surprised <laughs> that I had that mindset. But was there, uh, was there a point in the race where you thought I'm going to do this or this isn't going to work out? What was that? Yeah. Oh, several. Yeah. Several. Uh, there were so many ups and downs. There were so many, I mean, like I remember mile 15, maybe 14 and 15. I was, I remember actually calling my mom and going, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. This this sucks. This really sucks. Um, and she was like, I know, I know it's horrible, but you know, just do what you can do. Don't, you know, I, I think the main thing for me was I didn't pressure myself mentally at all. I was yeah, like, so. I always kind of gave, I kind of gave myself an out. I was like, if I need to, if I need to stop, if I need to get out, I can get out. There's no, there's nobody pressuring me. Everybody will understand, you know? So that no was failure feeling for you. You're just like, look, I got as far as I could. And yeah. Good. Um, yeah. so yeah, like mile 14, 15 was horrible. And then for some reason I got this huge jolt of, of energy probably around mile 17. Um, I knew that some of my friends were going to be around mile 18 and I was really excited to see them. And, you know, there are certain parts of the race where people were cheering really loud. So, it's, it's the smallest thing can give you a second wind. 
So I joke about this a lot, like the idea of a marathon and not being something I could do. But if you really listen to what Alexia is saying right now, she's talking about life. Like this marathon is just a microcosmos of life. Like, you know, things are hard sometimes. Then somebody comes along and picks you up. You know, sometimes you have energy. Mm -hmm. You don't know why. Sometimes you're bummed out. You don't know why. Keep going. Right? Like just, just keep going. And it, it can work out. Now I saw a picture of you towards the end. You did look like you were going to die. Um, who <laughs> <laughs> did, um, w- what was it like? First of all, I, I do want to know, like, what was, was there a feeling like, did you have enough in you to feel the emotional rush of finishing? Um, I do remember crying a little bit when I was at, I want to say mile 23. Mm-hmm. Um, because at that point I was like, I get, Oh my gosh, you could run I'm going to do this. Yeah. I'm Yeah. I'm actually going to do this. Um, other, you know, other than that, I don't feel like I, you know, I was just so on autopilot and it was cold and it was, you know, like, I, I don't think I had, you know, the capacity to really feel the emotions on that level until that point. But, uh, yeah. It's it, like it a was, survival thing, right? It, yeah. Your, your body definitely goes in survival mode, especially, um, especially when you stop, like to go to the bathroom or to check your blood sugar or something mm-hmm. like your body, I, I can't even explain to you. It feels like, it, it feels like I'm going to die. Like there's like room spins and like, it, that's <laughs> kind of like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to not stop then. Like, I'm just going to keep going. Keep I mean, going I so stop. I don't feel like this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There was definitely, there was definitely that. Um, what was the was, management like for your diabetes through the, through the race and prior like how did you get ready um that was the worst part is because with all the nerves and the adrenaline pretty much all of us on the team were spiking like crazy Mm -hmm. like right before the race and so I kind of had to make a decision to either take more insulin or to not and kind of see you know see how it goes um so I decided not to which is good for me at least because you know, I had some long acting in my system. And once I started going, I immediately started dropping. And yeah. so I, I never want to see another like gel or energy chew for the rest of my life. And luckily I had a ton of them in my little running belt. So I think I ate all of them that I had. Like, I, I, I think I, I had maybe like three pretty significant blood sugar crashes over the whole thing, which isn't terrible considering how many miles it is. But, uh, yeah, I never had to take any insulin. Um, if if Arden gets in a one of those, you know, those days where sometimes you're just low and it won't, it won't come back. You know what I mean? Like it's that that those fifty six blood sugars and you you feed mm-hmm. it and it turns into a fifty nine blood sugar and you're like, wait, no, that's not right. You, you're mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff. There's a moment where if she grabbed, like if you reached out and said, hey, you need another juice box, she'd be like, I can't. Like there's just right. like it's a sickening feeling the way she describes it of uh-huh <laughs> and so, so you're choking these down because you have to I guess um, yeah that's terrible uh so there was also there was Gatorade at mm-hmm. like every every two miles there was water and and little cups of Gatorade so that helped it was like just enough you know it was just enough like electrolytes and carbs to kind of like you Keep know you going. Get, keep yeah, keep me going. And I did stop at the medical tent one time to get a bag of pretzels <laughs> because I just could not have another like gelatinous thing in my body. So. <laughs> I'm not going to suck on another one of whatever the hell this thing is. And I need I need something for, like, firm to sit in your stomach, like just for yeah. to yeah. 
That yeah. makes sense. Um, how about afterwards effects on your blood sugar? How long do the race impact you? Um, that is an interesting question because we were all, all of us on the team were kind of, you know, corresponding about that. None of us had the same experience. Um, hmm. I was fine the night of the, the night of the race. I, I think I had one low in the middle of the night, which wasn't a terrible low, but it was kind of like a delayed low. Um, you know, I ate dinner. I didn't have a spike. I didn't have a crash. It was fine. Um, I think my body was just like in shock. Uh, well, if I can, not only that, you didn't use insulin. So no, not not the whole day. Yeah. yeah, So you were basically feeding the activity. Yeah. And, and for someone who might've seen that anxiety spike from the adrenaline and bolus it, they're still going to have that activity and they have that, that insulin active in there. And it's, mm-hmm. You know, you, so you weren't using a lot of, ins- when do you think the first time was you gave yourself insulin? So you had a pretty normal reaction. Did you go eat afterwards or? I had dinner after, um, I just, I went straight back to the hotel. I didn't go like out or anything. I just yeah. needed to like stop moving. So, um, I had my friend go just grab, you know, something for me at the, at the deli across the street. And yeah. I just ate, I ate it in bed and, um, after a shower and, uh, I took insulin for dinner. That was the first, that was the first time I had taken insulin. That's really interesting. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a interesting experience you had for sure. It is. Yeah. yeah. And so in the days following, um, I feel like even now it's, so it's been, it's been over a week and still, I feel like I'm a little higher than I should be. Um, your blood sugars, I, my blood sugars. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm still kind of experiencing a little bit of resistance. Um, not not terrible though. I I was expecting much worse. I was expecting my body to like really rebel against what had just happened. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, everybody had a different experience though. Yeah. Did did people who had done it prior tell you that you might have like higher blood sugars after the race for days? Is that yeah. You heard? Yeah. yeah. I was warned. That's something. That's all crazy. And now yeah. here's the real question: Would you do it again? Yes, that is the craziest part of all of this. I, I, you know, as I said, mile 14, mile 15, I was going, what am I doing? Never again. I, I am going to be vehemently like telling people to never do this because mm-hmm. it's horrible. Um, but now after the fact, uh, I, I, yeah, I would. I, I would limit it like to once, once a year, like a full one. But mm-hmm. if that, maybe once every couple of years. But um <laughs> Uh, I know this will surprise you, but I'm actually doing the Walt Disney World half marathon in January, oh, and I had I had planned that even before um, this before I had done the full marathon. <laughs> yeah. wow. But now I know I want to do it. So yeah, plus you can do it in like ears probably. And totally. If, would you? So what would you change? What are you going to change for your next one wrapped around diabetes that you learned from this one? Um. That's funny. I don't know if there's much I would change. So like, um, I think, yeah, I, I'm going to say like, just if you were, if you were a person I was talking to the first, the only thing that really hits me is that, you know, a bar, like some sort of like oat or nut or something heavy that would sit in your system for a long, I don't know how that would be while you're running, but if you know what I, yeah, you know what I did have. I had like one because I, I remember my, my friend who met me at mile 18 was like, what do you want? I have this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And I did. I had like a kind bar. 
Right. That's so what I was I, thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It, it did help. So I'll, I would definitely make sure to have maybe two of those yeah. in my, in my running belt. It's a, it's just such a, I mean, it worked out well for you. Like you seem happy with how it went, honestly. I am. Yeah. Like when you just asked me that question, I really can't think of that much that I would do differently. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you really can't, you can't plan that much that the, like one of the things I really kind of ended up strangely liking about it was that it's, it's freeing in the sense that you can't really plan. You can't overanalyze. Like I've always been a person that probably, um, is overprepared. You know, like, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, have like a million things in my purse in case I'm low or I have extra pens or I have backup sensors or I'm, I definitely am always prepared, but with this, it's almost like, well, this is all I can do. You know, I can fit this much in my running belt. Um, my, actually my, my meter stopped working at one point and I, again, I'm old school. So occasionally I, I tend to test for accuracy mm-hmm. for the CG, CGM. Um, it stopped working because it was too cold. <laughs> it was so, like, you know, Hey lady, things, why don't we go inside? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like things like that, you can't, you can't plan for and you can't control. Right. And you know, if you want to finish the race, you have to just keep going with what you have. Yeah. So, um, it was really lesson. cool. It was a cool feeling. Yeah. No, it's just like it's, it's it's jumping off a cliff, right? You're just like I'm, I'm going, and hopefully I'll hit water and I'll pop back yeah. up, and we'll see. I I yep. think. Do you think it? Do you think the experience is going to inform how you manage day to day? Like, do you think you'll be a little looser about it, or? Yes, yeah? I definitely think it will impact how I manage just routine things. Like I I do I feel changed. I I don't you know I. I don't feel as anxious about things that I would have felt anxious about before. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, I just, just things I might not have considered before, like, you know, traveling certain places or like, I'm like, yeah, Oh my God, why can't I do that? I can do that. It's, I, I have, (laughs) my mindset is a little bit shifted. That's excellent. I I mean, it sounds like it was a big, it was like a big moment for you, honestly. It was. Yeah. I think it was for every anybody who does a marathon. It's, it's, it's a big thing. Yeah, I'm not gonna do it just so you know. Um, but okay, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pressure you. Don't worry. I didn't think you are. I was just. I'm a lot older than you, first of all. And oh really? Yeah. Okay. I'm like 112, and so um, <laughs> I just felt like I'm like, oh my gosh, like maybe that window has passed. But it did make me feel like there are other things that I should be trying, like like listening to. You. I was like, there's stuff I could be doing that I'm making excuses about. That I, right. def- that I definitely could do. And, right. you know, I, maybe that's, it doesn't need to be a marathon, right? It could be something, any kind of a leap for you, honestly. Yeah. I like it. Exactly. So I did have one weird question that I didn't ask about the running. Were there glucagon, was glucagon everywhere? Like, did everyone have one who was running with type 1? Or how did they, I'm assuming nobody needed one, but. No, nobody needed one. Was uh, there prep? Was there what? Like, did, was there was it there? Did you pr- prepare for the eventuality? I mean, there was, there were um, medical tents probably every five mi- four or five miles mm-hmm. there. So there, I mean, I never, I didn't bring any like, you know, obviously I had sugar, but I didn't bring um, emergency glucagon because. I, my mom had told me and other people who had run it had told me that there are medics around every corner. So I I definitely felt safe. Cool. That's excellent. And you don't, I'm I'm assuming you're trying to be streamlined as you're doing this. You're not 
looking yeah. to not looking to run with your iPad. Uh, no, yeah, no. I have a whole bunch of stuff with you. What is right. is she pulling a wagon? Um, so right, <laughs> that would have been me. Like probably five years ago, I would have had my wagon. <laughs> Alexi's little red wagon. Um, yeah, very well could end up being the title of this episode. Just so that you know. <laughs> oh, I like it. Okay. Um, I really appreciate you doing this. I feel like I've kept you longer than I told I told you I was. Um, no, I'm sorry for that. Totally fine. It's been great. Yeah. Um, I, did I not ask about anything that you're like, oh, you should be asking about this, about what I did? Did I miss it? Um, you know, I guess the only thing, uh, I kind of wanted to say was as, as a type one, you have to know your body on such, on such a level that other people just don't know what that's like. It's almost like having a sixth sense, mm-hmm. you know? But I never realized until running the marathon that there's a whole new level. It's, you know, you have, there's, there's a, there's a, there's like the line between knowing when to stop and knowing when you can push yourself further Mm -hmm. is so real. Like it's, you know, so I just, that, that was just eye opening to me that as much as I already thought I knew my body, there's, there's something beyond that. So I think what I took most from what you said today is that there, there's a decision you can make. Like you can err on the side of caution or you can err on the side of being bold, you know? And I think, yeah. I think that you'll, you'll get farther, you'll learn more. You'll probably break free of a lot of chains if you just, you know, kind of move towards yeah. bold, you know? Yeah. I've always, that's what I've always respected about you and your mindset and the podcast and you know, how you are with your daughter, your that's what, that's your thing. You're bold. And, you know, I, I feel like I could, I could be bolder. And after, after the marathon, I think I am. Excellent. That's really cool. I just, I, as you were talking about the things you didn't bring with you, I always, it made me consider because Arden's at school right now. And it, Mm -hmm. it made me consider at the beginning of every school year, somebody gets online and there, there's photos of like, all right, I'm, you know, I have a diabetic kid and this is how we're going to prep. And they're, they're taking all of this stuff to the school. Like you could keep like four kids with diabetes alive for five years with the stuff they're taking in. And, 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 you know, it's just, it's all prepackaged and it's labeled and it's all this stuff. And I think my daughter has a juice in her purse. Yeah. And, um, the, uh, and there's some gummy candies in her purse and then there's juice sprinkled around the building, but I, not a case of it. There's like one or two in a, in each classroom and it's really just there in case the one in her purse gets used. So wherever she is, she can like snatch another one up real quick and put it back in her purse. Right. It's, it's that is the extent of the preparation we do. Yeah. The nurse doesn't have a thousand things. There's not like, it's just, I don't, I don't know. Like there's something about that. I get the wanting to feel that way, like protected and safe, mm-hmm. but you got to live a whole life with diabetes and, and you're not going to spend your whole life you know, driving out ahead of your kid, stashing juices along the way, you you know? And so you kind of have to, you got to figure out how to exist in the body you have and in the situation you have, I think. Yeah, that was, I would say my number one takeaway from all this. Cool. That's really great. Well, thank you so much. Um, if you hold on for one second, I have a question for you. I don't want to record. Okay. Is that cool? All right. Thank you. Are you wondering what I asked Alexi when I shut off the microphone? I can't tell you, but you might find out one day if everything works out well. 
Thanks so much to Dexcom, Omnipod, and Dancing for Diabetes for sponsoring the show. Huge appreciation. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, and dancing the number four diabetes.com. That's where you find out about these sponsors. One more thing. I'm sorry about the audio. It broke my heart. But I love the interview and I didn't want to scrap it. And I'm so sorry. You may not have even cared after it got going, but I, I take a lot of pride in how the show sounds and it made me sad. Anyway, uh, we'll be back on Friday with Ask Scott and Jenny, I think. And then right on to the end of the year. I have some very cool stuff planned for 2020 that's already underway. I uh, can't wait to get that to you, but first we have to live through these weeks and months. I can't fast forward through life. Hey, I want to shout out everybody at the JDRF Kansas City chapter that had me out to speak this past weekend. Had a fantastic time. It was wonderful meeting every one of you. And for somebody who left a review on Canadian iTunes just because they wanted a shout out, I happened to see it. I don't usually see Canadian iTunes, but anyway... uh Yo, here's your shout out, even though I don't remember your name. I'm sorry, but you know it's you. So you keep that pride in your heart. You let somebody listen to this right now go, this guy right here, he's talking about me. Because I am, I'm talking about you.